That was the first time I asked myself the question, am I a lesbian? I never asked myself that before, convinced that my preference for women was something that would go away once I escaped the hell that was the all-girls Catholic school I was in. But there I was, having just broken up with my boyfriend, thinking, damn, I miss her. Why do I miss her? She isn't the one I should be missing right now. That was a preview for this week's episode. Hey, it's Cam, and I want to wish everyone a happy, happy Pride Month. The beautiful story you're about to hear was submitted in celebration of Pride. It explores an individual's trials and fears with sexuality and the bumpy road towards acceptance. Before we get started, this is your reminder that stories shared on this podcast were submitted anonymously and obtained consensually. Underneath it all may have content that is triggering for some. Viewer discretion is advised. How did you know you were a lesbian? I've been asked that question approximately a hundred times since I came out last year. In hindsight, maybe I should have known from the start. I tell people that it started with this girl two year levels above me. I was in the fourth grade and she was in the sixth. A volleyball player with long wavy hair and a shirt that shouldn't have looked as good on her as I thought it did at nine years old. I had this pink Winnie the Pooh diary that wasn't a diary so much as it was an account of how many times I'd managed to catch glimpses of her in a day. Even there, I was careful. In case my parents got their hands on it, I made sure never to use gendered pronouns, and instead referred to her simply as A.A., her initials. She must have thought I was a creep back then, honestly, with the way that I used to stare at her. And it doesn't really make sense anymore why I went as far as not using pronouns. I went to an all-girls school, so it couldn't have been anyone but a girl. But looking back, it didn't really start with her. She was my first crush, but... I think I already knew before that. It's the only reason I can think of as to why I wasn't surprised when I started to like her. It was the small things, like how I never cared about the Prince Charming and was always more fascinated with princesses. I used to have paper dolls that my mom bought me for my fifth birthday. After a few years, I'd either broken or lost most of their clothes, so I'd play with them wearing only their underwear making Jasmine and Ariel kiss because I thought they were the prettiest. I even had this habit of flipping through magazines, cutting out pictures of pretty girls, and posting them inside my toy cabinet. <laughs> Says a lot about how I turned out, huh? I never understood why my friends were so interested in boys when we were in kindergarten. It annoyed me, feeling left out so... I pretended that I had a crush on this boy, who I thought was the best-looking among the ones in our class. It was working. Until one day, a class discussion on family dynamics led him 
to kissing my cheek and telling me he wanted to marry me when we grew up. I don't remember this, but according to my report card that my mom kept all these years, I ran to the teacher crying, saying that I didn't want to get married to a boy when I grew up. I look at myself and think, wow, that makes a lot of fucking sense now. I didn't even have a name for it back then. I just knew that I didn't want a boy kissing my cheek for the rest of my life. I was happy spending all my time with my childhood best friend. We lived in the same neighborhood, and I spent weekends at her place, where we watched Totally Spies or played with our Barbies, cuddled up on her couch. I have memories of us going Christmas caroling, eating ice candy during hot summer days and watching horror movies which would always lead to her making me stand by the door when she needed to pee. In the first grade, she got sick with chicken pox, and I didn't listen to everyone's warnings to stay away from her, and ended up catching it too. Years later, she brought it up and told me she'd never forget it. She said her mom joked around that I loved her too much, and looking back, maybe I did because when she confessed that she had a crush on a guy, my first question was, why? Don't you already have me? She looked confused by the way I was reacting and told me that that's different, but to be fair to her, I was confused too. I had another childhood friend. We lived across from each other for 13 years. My dad never liked him, not just because he's a boy, but because he's gay. He didn't say it out loud when we were kids, but we knew. He was effeminate and was always interested in boys in a way that I never was, but we were close. We used to go biking in the mornings and then watch anime together while eating pan de sal and drinking Milo in the afternoons. I liked having a guy friend who I could hang out with, without anyone teasing us together for it. Most of all, I liked having someone who I didn't have to put on a show around. And in turn, I think he enjoyed not having to put on a show around me too. He's always had to do it anywhere else, especially at his house. And so did I. We shared a quiet solidarity. You are me as I am you. As long as we had that, nothing else mattered. I haven't seen him in person in a couple years now, but... Thank God for social media. When he came out as bisexual, I told him I was proud of him. When I came out as a lesbian, he told me he was proud of me too. I hope for a world where neither of us ever have to put on a show, wherever we may be. So, going back to the story, in fourth grade, it was that girl named A.A. In fifth grade, it was a girl a year level above me, with hair up to her shoulders and a blinding smile. Years filled with diary entries, code names, and secretly gay poetry. I remember changing the pronouns in my poems from she slash her to he slash him when I submitted them to our English teacher. Because if I hadn't, it would have earned me a warning slip. Catholic schools, you know the drill. I didn't think it was serious. I mean, I thought girls were cute, but didn't all girls think other girls are cute too? I thought it was just like everyone else and that it'd go away. 
It was only in sixth grade that I thought, huh, maybe not. She was a classmate and close friend, so this wasn't just longing stares from afar and gay poetry, it was late nights at my place, sleepovers, spontaneous visits, hanging out after school, and all these inside jokes that no one understood but us. It was pretty laughter, lingering touches, warm hugs, and hand-holding. It was a year that taught me what it means to like someone so much that you don't mind not having them in the way that you want. You just feel lucky to even have them at all. I had a new diary. I threw it away when we moved a few years ago, but I remember flipping through the pages one last time and finding a picture of my sixth grade crush, and then right beside it, written in my messy handwriting, I wish I could kiss her just once. Sometimes I wonder what would have happened if I'd gotten the chance. Back then, getting into a relationship felt unreachable. In place of getting into one of my own, I was overly invested in everyone else's. My gay aunt had this girlfriend who she dated for five years. I used to stare at their photos, admiring the casual intimacy between two women. There were also some couples in my school. I'd stare after them as they walked by, pressed close together as carefully intimate as they could be in a Catholic school. I would look and look and look. And in looking, wanting to know, I was confused. In my personal life, I was only interested in girls, but I did have crushes on male celebrities. Because of that, I tried dating this close friend I had in freshman year. He often jokes that he was prettier than me, and honestly, he was right. It's the only reason I dated him. We'd known each other since we were kids, and people already teased us together anyway, so we tried. We lasted three months and didn't even kiss. We called it off and went right back to being friends, like it was nothing but a relief. The only time we did kiss was when we got drunk for the first time, several months later. We laughed our asses off and never did it again. He was desperate to know what it felt like to kiss a girl, and I was desperate to know what it was like to be kissed at all. I'd asked him what it felt like for him, and he said soft. He asked me what it felt like for me, and I said weird. I thought it hurt his feelings if I told him the truth, so I said nothing. In sophomore year, I dated someone for the first time. I loved her a lot and love her still. Loving someone who was so close to me made being in a gay relationship a lot easier to swallow, even though it should have been terrifying. I learned what it was to love someone and be loved just as much in return, to hold someone's hand and feel like it's all you'll ever need. To press your lips together, then start thanking God for everything that's happened in your life that led you to that exact moment. The way that relationship ended took years for us to recover from, but that made it all the more important. To this day, at 22 years old, I still don't think I've ever been as in love with anyone as much as I've loved her. Not to say that I didn't date, though. The year she and I broke up, 
I switched schools, going from an all-girls school to a co-ed one. I remember one of my first thoughts being, I should date boys. I consciously thought that to myself, convincing myself that whatever I felt for girls had been nothing but a four-year-long phase. I think I was just tired of having to be ashamed of myself. I was tired of having to hide all the goddamn time. I was tired of feeling like being myself would get me kicked out of school and straight into the fiery pits of hell. So, I dated the first boy I found remotely attractive. We lasted a few months. He was a good guy, and all I remember from our short-lived romance was the fact that we spent a lot of time laughing. My love for him was genuine, but looking back now, it was far from being romantic. Kissing him felt weird and slobbery. Anything too sappy made me squirm. And when I decided to end things, I don't remember feeling any grief from the loss of the relationship. All I felt was guilty. Guilty for hurting a really good friend. That was the first time I asked myself the question, am I a lesbian? I'd never asked myself that before, convinced that my preference for women was something that would just go away once I escaped the hell that was the all-girls Catholic school that I was in. But there I was, having just broken up with my boyfriend, thinking to myself, damn, I miss her. Why do I miss her? She isn't the one I should be missing right now. In my senior year of high school, in an attempt to prove myself wrong, I started dating the guy who would turn out to be my first, and so far, only long-term relationship. We lasted almost all throughout college. It might be strange to hear this coming from a lesbian, but I mean it when I say that those three and a half years will always belong to him. He may not have been the love of my life, but he was at the time my best friend. I didn't love him the way I should have, but I loved him the way you'd love a partner in crime. No matter how messy it became, no matter who we are now, what we felt for each other those years is something that I could never regret. Him being with someone else and me being a lesbian doesn't and will never erase any of that. The breakup didn't feel like a blessing, but it sure turned out to be one because a few months later after the end of our long-term relationship, I ended up sleeping with a woman for the first time. She and I were in a bad place at the time. I'd just gotten out of a relationship and she was stuck on an unrequited love. We were drunk, but I can't sit here and say that we didn't know what we were doing. We were drunk when we kissed and when we joked around about sleeping together, but we were sober when we did it. I was nervous. I was nervous the first time I slept with my ex too, but this was different. This wasn't just nerves. I was excited. And I realized that I'd never been excited to have sex before. That realization was terrifying. When it happened, I blanked. My vision went hazy. My hands moved without me realizing it, and I couldn't stop looking at her. I remember that part so vividly. I just couldn't stop looking at her. I didn't even want to blink because 
I didn't want to miss a single second. When it was over, she pulled me close, pressed a kiss to the top of my head, and I realized two things. The first is that my ex's most said words whenever we slept together was, look at me, because I never could. I could never tell if it was because of the disgust or shame. Maybe both. The second is something that I've never told even my closest friends. Something I don't think I ever will. To preserve what I shared with my ex and what I shared with her. It's this. That was the first and only time she and I ever slept together. Yet, it was the best of my life. And in those years with my ex, I never felt with him even half of what I felt with her. Not once. I went on a bender after that in an attempt to convince myself that whatever I was thinking, I was wrong. I'd always known that I liked women, but I liked men too. I was sure of that. I was supposed to be sure of that. It didn't matter that that restless feeling in me that I tried so hard to push down hadn't disappeared and instead returned with an unrelenting force. So I got on dating apps and talked to people, went through the talking stage five times over, ghosted people and got ghosted, before repeating the cycle another five times over. Desperate to find someone, anyone, to help me make sense of it all. Then, I met someone. A bumble guy turned friends with benefits. And I'm grateful I met him. I found in him exactly what I needed at the time. Someone who didn't know anything about me and didn't care enough to know. I found solace in him and he found pleasure in me. We quickly called it quits because neither of us saw it going anywhere else. But he thanked me and I thanked him. We high-fived goodbye instead of hugging. He was thankful for the relief and... I was thankful for the escape, and though I was terrified, I was thankful for what we had, because in having it, I knew, I knew that I wouldn't be able to be with another man ever again. Not when I already knew what it was to sink into a woman and find myself wanting to drown in her for the rest of my life. I slept with another girl. We went to high school together, but she was two years above me. We became friends when I was a sophomore and she was a senior because we went through bad breakups around the same time and mourned over our shared heartbreak. We slowly grew distant, so it's fitting that what brought us back together was the two of us getting out of our respective long-term relationships. That led to texting, then to phone calls, and finally to her showing up at my place. It didn't take long for things to escalate. One minute, we were in bed watching K-pop videos, the next we were kissing, the next I was locking the door, and the next all our clothes were on the floor. It was hurried and unspoken. Neither of us were sure why it was happening, but neither of us were surprised that it was. Her hair smelled like green apples. She had the smoothest skin I'd ever touched in my life. She's always been naturally skinny, bony, but still soft in all the right places. She was loud, but not in a grating way. She was handsy, in a way that was 
new to me. Everything felt new to me, but somehow also felt so much like home. A friend asked what it's like to sleep with women. I said it felt like what I should have been doing all along. Like I'd been walking through a desert my whole life and finally found a well to drink my fill from. Like I'd found some exotic chocolate that I'd only ever heard about and just ate an entire box all at once. But God, do I want more. I just wanted to keep having it for the rest of my life. Once after that, I ended up dating someone again. I met a girl who reminded me of something I'd already known at a young age, but had forgotten over the years. She reminded me what it felt like to fall for a woman, purely. To feel butterflies from the small things, like when your shoulders touch or your fingers brush against each other. To lie together, staring into each other's eyes, music playing softly in the background, but all you can hear is each other breathing. To kiss someone and never want to stop. To run your hands through their hair and wish that you didn't need to pull away. Not even to catch your breath. To hold someone and feel like you're taking your first gasp of air after years of not knowing what it meant to breathe. But the thing about eating too much chocolate all at once is that you start to feel sick afterwards. More than that, you start to feel shame too. I didn't give myself enough time to fall in love with her, but I knew that I could've. It's half the reason I couldn't bring myself to let it go on. If I wasn't so scared, I probably would've allowed myself to. And it could've been great, but I couldn't. I know I hurt her, yet she was so understanding. A part of me wished she'd gotten angry instead because then I wouldn't feel so bad about hurting one of the kindest people I've ever met. I'm lucky to still be able to call her a friend. I'm lucky to love her as much as I do, and I'm lucky to be loved as much in return. I'm lucky to know who I am through what I had with her. It's a debt that I know I'll never be able to repay. Months after her, I slept with another girl. I was hoping she'd prove to me that those other times were just flukes, that I probably felt the way I did for those girls, only because they were friends who I'd already found attractive anyway. I thought that maybe if I slept with some girl I didn't know, it'd be different. So that's what I did. She was tan, with wavy hair and a husky voice. When we started talking and when she came to my place, just a few days later, I didn't know it was her first time. If I'd known, I wouldn't have made it show that I was just desperate to get it over with. To feel, to look, and to know. Where should I sit? She asked, as we entered my room. The bed, I'd said. She didn't act like it was her first one-night stand. She moved just as confidently as I did if not more. It was only much later, lying in bed, that she said those six words with a dazed smile. That was my first time, ever. I wanted to get down on my knees and apologize. I wanted to ask her why the fuck she didn't tell me that. The only reason I didn't was because of how happy she looked. I probably stared at her longer than I should have. I could see exactly how she was feeling. 
The fear and the joy, the guilt and the urge to do it again and again because I'd been in her spot. I'd been exactly where she was just two years before. So I pulled her close, squeezed her and pressed a kiss to the top of her head the way the first girl I slept with did for me that day in her apartment. It was only then that I understood what she'd been trying to do for me back then. It's gonna be fine, was what I was trying to tell her. I don't know how, I don't know when, but it'll be fine. Unconsciously trying to tell myself the same thing. A month after that, the pandemic hit. There was no way for me to escape my thoughts and no way for me to run from what I'd realized, but I'd probably always known from the age of six. I'm not into men at all. I'm not bisexual. I'm a lesbian. A lesbian. The first few months of trying to get used to that word, I couldn't say it out loud. I made excuses for myself, saying that I'm bisexual. I just lean towards women. Or that I'm bisexual. I just hadn't found the right man. I knew it wasn't that, but I sure fucking hoped, because I always thought that... I could just choose to marry a man and never have to come out to my family. Note, that's really not how bisexuality works either. (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking. Turns out, hoping doesn't change anything. The same way that lying doesn't change anything, even when it's all you've done all your life. So one night in July of 2020, I wrote everything down in the form of a journal entry. The way I always did when I was nine with my Winnie the Pooh diary or my notebook from the sixth grade. What I learned was this. Coming out feels a lot like reminding yourself of who you always knew you were in the first place. It's true what they say, that admitting it to yourself is the hardest part. Once you get past that hurdle, the rest will come a little easier. Well, Not easy, because it's still scary for a lot of reasons. There's still the whole having to tell people part, even the ones who you know won't approve. There's still the fact that one day I'll have to tell my dad, who prays the rosary every morning and is part of a group chat with religious boomers who send anti-gay articles to each other. But at the very least, there's no fear of not knowing. Because you know exactly who you are. There's a comfort in knowing yourself in a way that no one ever will. It's even more comforting when you've spent so much of your life being so unsure. It took me 21 years of my life to admit something that has been a part of me before my age even reached double digits. When I think about it for too long, I get emotional. That six-year-old girl who'd made paper dolls kiss and hold hands in ways that she didn't even realize she yearned to be kissed and held. That nine-year-old girl staring at the sixth grader as she walked by, wondering what it'd feel like to walk with her, holding her hand. That ten-year-old girl writing poems, changing pronouns, praying to be loved. That 11-year-old girl hugging her best friend, wondering what it would feel like to kiss her just once. That 12-year-old with a phone pressed to her ear, singing her best friend to sleep, hoping that it 
means something more to her. That 14-year-old wondering what it would be like to hold her girlfriend's hand in public without any fear or shame. That 15-year-old who'd kissed her boyfriend under a tree, wishing she could keep him without having to kiss him. That 16-year-old who'd slept with a boy and wondered why she couldn't feel anything other than her skin crawling. The 19-year-old who thought she lost her only chance at loving a man and found that instead she'd given both him and herself a chance at true, unadulterated happiness. And that 21-year-old woman from last year who finally understood. Maybe I should have known from the start, but I'm glad I didn't, because my journey, while long and hard, was filled to the brim with love. And while I've learned that not all of them were right for me, all of them, in their own ways, were true. If I've learned anything, it's that love, in all its forms, is something to embrace. So, how did I know I was a lesbian? It's a long story. But, long story short, I guess I've always known. It just took me a while to stop being so ashamed of it. Happy Pride to all. I hope for a world where we never have to feel shame in the simple act of being who we are. I was able to talk a bit with the wonderful person that sent me this story, and she had mentioned that it was embarrassing for her to share, but she did it nonetheless in the hopes that it would help someone going through what she did. If you're listening right now, thank you. What an honor it was to read and share your words on my podcast. I couldn't be any more proud of you and your growth. For the listeners that related in any way, this episode is your reminder that, as mentioned, there is nothing shameful in the simple act of being who we are. And I'm here, along with an entire community of people who understand exactly what you're going through. If, after listening, you feel compelled to share a story of your own, just email me at underneathitallpodcast at gmail.com. For any questions, comments, concerns, or if you just want to show some love, I'll put our socials in the show notes below. Again, thank you so much for listening. Happy Pride Month, and I'll see you all next week for a brand new episode. Bye!